Bokar Tov, we are in Sefer Melachim, Aleph, chapter 8. We completed the construction of the Beit HaMikdash, and we have begun the inauguration process. Okay? Uh, we said that the inauguration process is going to mimic the inauguration process that's seen at the end of Shemot, in the middle of Vaikra of the Mishkan. All of the people gathered the... Uh, we're going to see elements actually that are very similar, like the fact that the cloud fills the the Beit Hamikdash is going to be based on the cloud filling the Mishkan. That just like Moshe couldn't go in anymore because there was a cloud, so too we're going to see that the Kohanim could no longer go into the Beit Hamikdash because there was a cloud. And there are plenty of parallels. You could see them more in uh, Rabbi Alex Israel's book on uh, kings called Kings Torn in Two. Highly recommended. Okay. Uh, so they brought the Aaron, they brought it from Ir David, which is right next to the temple. They brought it into the temple, okay? And they're all standing there. They're bringing korbanot, mizabbehim, tsonu vakar, asher lo yisafiru merov. The fact that he uses the word mizabbehim, mizabbehim is a special word in the Torah, zebah, for a type of korban that is eaten. So it typically applies to a korban shalamim or korban chagigla, which is a type of shalamim where you would say zebah. Because Zevach is a type of celebratory korban. Okay, so they brought a lot of korbanot in a festive event of inauguration. So the Kohanim bring the Aaron into the Devir, into the Kodesh Kodashim, under the Kiruvim. That the Kiruvim were there, that they had their uh, wings stretched out, and that's where they put the Aaron. And then we, we spoke about how they extended the beams of the Aaron. So I didn't address this one final point about this detail. When they extended the beams of the Aaron to poke out of the curtain, the concept behind that is that you no longer, A, it shows that the Aaron is in there, right? But B, it shows that you're no longer using the beams to hold the Aaron. Whenever you, you pull them out, means you're not putting them in a way in which you can use them anymore to carry because they're all favoring one side of the Aron, right? So that's kind of a symbolism of the permanence of the Aron. Now that it no longer needs to be carried around, it's in its final resting place. All right. Now this is a very interesting pasuk, pasuk tet. This is where we stop. In the Aron, the only thing we had were two luchot abanim that Moshe had put there in Chorev, which Chorev is Har Sinai. The only thing that Moshe put in this Aaron were the two luchot. That's it. Nothing else. Now we have Midrashim that say that the Aaron contained three items at the very least. They say the Aaron contained the luchot. It also contained the shivre luchot, the broken luchot of the first round. It contained a Torah that's described at the end of the book of, uh, at the end of the Torah that Moshe completed and gave to the Levim. It contained that Sefer Torah. An actual Torah was in there as well. And I think there's also an opinion that says it was also, it also contained that Sinsenet Haman, that Moshe was commanded to make a, um, to, uh, to preserve some man for generations to see the food that they ate, right? So there are Midrashim that say they had all these things, but... This pasuk says what? And Ba'aron Rakshane Luchota Abanim Asherinaksha Moshe Bihorev. The Aaron only had two Luchot Abanim that Moshe put there. And it seems like when it says two Luchot, which Luchot is referring to? The ones that are actually the covenant was made over, because it says the Luchot that the covenant was made with, meaning not the broken Luchot. 
סורדק זה ראיה כי לא היו בארון לא שברי לוחות ולא ספר תורה. From here we see that Aaron did not contain the broken לוחות and did not contain a ספר תורה. וארון שבו ספר תורה נראה כי ניתנו באוצרות בית אדוני עם אוהל מועד ועם הכלים. And it seems like there was a separate Aaron according to the Radak that had the Torah or that had let's say the broken luchot we can say that was put into the treasury of the Bet HaMikdash but it was not actually kept in the Kodesh HaKodashim וכן נראה מדברי חלקיהו הכהן שאמר ספר התורה מצאתי בבית אדוני נראה כי לא היה במקום שהיו רגילים בו ולא היו יודעים אותו שם באותו הדור so he's referencing he says another proof to the fact that the Torah wasn't in Aaron is that we're later going to see at the end, the end of Book of Melachim in Melachim Bet, at the end of Melachim Bet, later on in the, in the reign of the king Yoshia, he is going to send someone to basically go try to fix up the Beit HaMikdash. And in the process of going to fix up the Beit HaMikdash, he's going to discover a Torah. Now this was a time when Bnei Israel were steeped in Avodah Zarah, so they had forgotten completely about the Torah. And then... He opens up the Torah and he starts reading it and they're like, oh my gosh, we're not keeping any of this stuff. A Torah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy story. It's one of the craziest wow. stories in Tanakh, okay? So he opens up. Now, now what's the idea there? What is, why is Radak quoting? He's saying, in that story, the Kohen who Yoshia sent was Chilkiah and he said, I found the Torah. Now, if the Torah was in the Aron, that was in the, bit, in the Kodesh Kodashim, what, you would have to find it? What do you mean find it? If, you, if it's in the Aron, it's, it's obvious where it is. But who can go into the Aron? Not any Kohen. Right, not any Kohen. But, but, if, it's in a, but if, in such, if it's in such a central place, yeah, people, it would be known where it is. Right? They wouldn't have to find the Torah. Right? So instead, in, the, in this piece, it says, Oh, I found the Torah. Where would you find the Torah? You'd find it in some place that was in the, in the storehouses of the Beit HaMikdash that was not readily, some, something, a place that was frequented often. Okay. Look, it's not a perfect proof, honestly, what Radak is saying. Because it could just be that he found another Torah. There's an alternative also. What? Um, from Yushalami, Shekalim, another view there holds that there was only one ark which contained both sets of tablets and Moshe's Torah. Uh, this is what I was referring to. Okay. And what? And uh, according to the second view, our verse does not mean to exclude the first tablets or the Torah scroll, for they may be included in the words, the two stone tablets. Uh-huh. Okay, so that opinion also says, no, don't necessarily say that um, none of these other things were in the Aron, because it could all be included in the Aron in, when it says the Luchot Aberit. It's both referring to both the Luchot, the broken and the fixed Luchot, and of course the Torah. You're saying the staff of Aaron and the... I, mean, I, I don't, I mean, next to it's it. an interesting proof that Radak brings with the Chilkiah Hanavi and the times of Isha, but it's not, it's not so compelling either. Because, okay, he found the Torah. I have to look at the Psukim, see if it says he found the Torah of Moshe. You know, whatever, we'll save it for in a year when we get to the end of Menachim. Okay. Pasuk Yud. And it was when the Kohanim left the Kodesh when they were finished uh, probably doing their inaugurational ceremonies or something, Maybe they were doing some korbanot. I mean, the Kodesh isn't where the korbanot are done, so I don't know why the Kohanim were in the Kodesh in the first place. Oh, 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 okay, it says, explains it. Ha-Kohanim Aron Now, whenever the Kohanim took the Aron in, well, when they left the Kodesh HaKodesh, how were they allowed to take the Aron into the Kodesh HaKodeshim, into the Devir? Because the Beit HaMikdash wasn't inaugurated yet. 
So they walk in with the Aaron, they place the Aaron down in the Kodesh Kodashim before it's inaugurated. When they walk out, says Pasuk Yud, then the cloud, then the cloud comes. Okay? And that's when And from then on, the Kohanim could no longer go in to the Kodesh Kodashim because that's where the spirit or the cloud of God was. Okay? The, the cloud of God filled, or the glory of God filled the house of God. Now that's, that's pretty much identical to what we saw in the book of Vayikra, and the book of, at the end of Shemot, in the inauguration of the Mishkan, that the cloud descended upon the Mishkan, and they no longer could go in, because the cloud was there, so it's very similar, again, and that's the parallel that uh, Alex Israel pointed out. Okay. Uh, now, as we said, this chapter is broken up into a few pieces. There is the inauguration ceremony, which we just did, which is basically bringing the Aron in, because that's really the only thing that needs to be brought. Everything else was there. They built the uh, minorot and the thing and the, the washing places and everything was built. Just the Aaron needed to find its place. So that would be the inauguration. And then Shalomo is going to make a tefillah. He's going to bless the people. He's going to make a tefillah. He's going to bless the people and he's going to make another tefillah or something. Basically, it's going to be a lot of communication between Shalomo and God and blessing the people. Okay, so there's going to be a combination of praises to God or tefillot to God and a blessing for Am Yisrael. Uh, so the content of the blessing is going, or of the prayer to God is going to be surrounding the significance of this day of God coming back to the Mishkan and stuff like that. Okay, this must have been a huge uh, deal for the. So this was the biggest deal. deal. If you remember they, the time, they put the, they put the we said that the inauguration happened in Yerach Etanim Bechad. So it happened on Sukkot. Yes. Sukkot was the only time of year, including Pesach and Shavuot, when all of Bnei Israel would show up. Mm-hmm. It was the holiday of the Shalosh Regalim that was the most observed. Not, not that nobody observed the other ones, but it was the, it was the holiday which, which showed the highest attendance to the Beit HaMikdash. So it was perfect timing. Okay? And I think from what I recall, it was a seven-day ceremony followed by seven days of Sukkot or something like that. So it was a huge, huge, huge event. This is like the seminal event. That's why whenever we describe this event, we described it originally, the construction of the Beit HaMikdash, from the Yitziat Mitzrayim. Because it represents coming full circle. It says it was 400, what, 480 years from when we left Egypt. That was how the original construction was described. So that shows the significance of the event. Yeah, and this is one of the bigger events in the history of Am Yisrael. So we'll read now Shalomo's prayer and his blessing. As Amar Shalomo. Then Shalomo said, when the inauguration was completed, Adonai Amar Lishkon Ba'arafel. God said that he would dwell in the cloud. Now what does that mean? It means he said he would dwell amongst Bnei Israel in the Mishkan in the form of a cloud. Let's say that's one of the Mepharshim how they say it. I have built for you, Hashem, a place for your dwelling uh, a place for your uh, residence forever. Now, the word olamim is important because he's saying, unlike the previous house in which we would, we would move every so often, this one is going to be a place for your shifticha olamim, a place that you dwell forever. Yeah. And this also compares to Har Sinai, because Har Sinai, once the giving of the Torah was over, the Shekhinah left and there was no more holiness. However, if you want to go even on the Beit HaMikdash today, on that Temple Mount today, you're not, al- you're not allowed. Because we're all Tamimit. And the, we consider halakhically 
this pasuk. This pasuk we take lahalacha that the Shekhinah of God never left once Shalomo built a bit of Mikdash and this event happened where the Shekhinah came. The Shekhinah of God never left. So that's why halakhically, the Beit HaMikdash, once it was established, even after it was destroyed, the Shekhinah never left there. And once it was established, even after it was destroyed, never again were Bamot or other Korbanot allowed in other places. Does it mention anywhere the significance of the location of the Beit HaMikdash, like how it was, where the Akidah happened, Avitcha, No, that's all uh, based on the Midrashim. The Midrashim fill in the other significant events that occurred okay. at Hara Moriah. Um, we have to I, w- I would be interested in seeing if it's referred and I, I didn't check this but but when it, in the in the Akedat Yitzchak it describes that the location of the Akedah needs to be done by Eretz HaMoriah in the mountain in the land of Moriah mm-hmm. now I have to see if, Hara, if, if it's Hara Moriah as we know today is given that name here as well because then it would make the connection very obvious that this is where the Akedah was done and so on um, the and there's other historical significance to the place yeah there is well. there is one other event there's one other event was it did Yaakov build a, built an, build an altar there um, a prophecy there yes 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 it was his prophecy uh, it was his prophecy with the angels going up and down the ladder he said that also happened in, in Haramuriah in the land in the place where the Betamitash would stand they're interesting Midrashim. They're interesting Midrashim. They, they tie the significance of the location of the Beit HaMikdash to a place in which our ancestors showed their utmost devotion to God. You know? But, uh, but that, that's all filled in the Midrash. The, all we know about, about, all I remember from the text that landed us in this location is that at the end of the book of Shemuel, when there was that famine, the famine didn't end until David went and purchased this land from Aravna Ibusi that's in Yerushalayim specifically for the construction of, of the Beit HaMikdash. So that was like the proof that this place was this significant place because the, David was kind of forced into buying it. And David knew the significance or must have known. He must have known. And in the book of Devarai Amim, it describes David as having planned everything. They bought all of the... Yes. He planned the, the, the infrastructure already from before. Okay? Uh, but according to our tradition, this is the place where all the other special events in the Avot's history happened. It's not as clear from the text exactly. Okay? I built a place for you to dwell forever. Okay? And the king then turned his face. And he blessed all of the assembly of Israel, and the whole assembly of Israel is standing at this time. Now, this is also similar to Moshe and Aharon in the inauguration, when they turned around and they also blessed the people. So there are there are a lot of peop- uh, parallels between the inauguration here and the Mishkan. Pasuk Tadvav. Now we're not going to hear the blessing he gives to Israel until a little bit later. Now we are going to hear the prayer to God. And he said, Blessed be Hashem, God of Israel, that spoke with his mouth to David, my father. And he gave him, gave him the following task, saying, From the time that I took my people, my children, out of uh, Israel, out of Egypt, 
I did not pick a city from all the tribes of Israel for my house to be built for my name to dwell there. And then I chose David to be the king of my people Israel. Now notice again that he's drawing it back to Yerushalayim. It highlights the significance of this event. From the time I took them out of Egypt, I did not have an event this significant. Okay, Pasuk Yudzayim. And it was with the heart of my, uh, David, my father, to build a house for the name of God, God of Israel. And Hashem said to David, my father, because you wanted so bad to build my house, to build a house for my name, you've done good that it was in your heart. But you won't be the one to build it. Rather, your son who comes out of your loins, he will be the one to build the house for my name. Now, it doesn't say the reason why. Remember, we said back whenever we were describing the thing, uh, the reason was uh, the reason for why David couldn't build it. Back when we experienced it in Shemuel, is only stated in Divir Ayamim when it says that it was filled with blood, right? what else was I going to say? Oh, notice how he describes that the house is for what? What exactly will dwell in the house? Who lishmi? He's going to build a house for my name. Now, it's a very important thing. It's referring to Hashem. Now, the reason or the meaning behind the name is that it's not God's physical presence that dwells in this place because God does not have a physical presence. It is God as He is recognized and known by man that dwells in this presence. It's a very, very philosophical idea that the name of God represents the most that we could understand of God. So it's not saying that God's actual essence dwells in the Beit HaMikdash, but His name. Meaning, it is how human beings perceive God, they perceive Him to be dwelling in this place. Now, is He physically dwelling in any location? No, that's impossible. That's not, that's not a, but His name dwells there. Human beings recognize Him to be there. That's another way of saying it. The name of God dwelling somewhere means the human beings recognize God to be there. Now, the significance of it is, is extremely important because we're not claiming that God actually has a physical presence in this location. That would be heresy. That would be heretical. But we do claim that human beings perceive this place as the house of God. Okay, and that's what it means that this will be the place for my name. And God uh, kept his word that he spoke to David. I, I came and I became king after David, my father. And I sat in the house of Israel, of the king, and I built the house uh, for the name of Hashem, God of Israel. And I put there a place for the Aaron that is where that is where houses the covenant of God. That he made the covenant with our forefathers when he took us out of Egypt, and that's where the the Berit that sits it sits in the Aaron, and I made a place for that as well. Okay, uh, we continue Bezar Hashem in the blessing to Bnei Israel, starting Pasuk Kaf Bet Baruch Amen. Amen.